Surah Al-Jathiya, Surah number 45, Ayah number 25. A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Ar-Rajim, Bismillah Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. وَإِذَا تُتْلَى عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتُنَا بَيِّنَاتٍ مَا كَانَ حُجَّتَهُمْ إِلَّا أَنْ قَالُوا اُتُوا بِآبَائِنَا إِنْ كُنْتُمْ صَادِقِينَ Referring to those people who say only time will destroy us and there is no such thing as resurrection. They make a claim here in this ayah that when our signs are recited to them are very obvious and evident signs and ayat in terms of the Quran also their only proof not really a proof but proof ostensibly nevertheless is to say that bring to us our forefathers if you are indeed truthful meaning that we don't hear of our disease coming back to the world. They're still in their graves. They have not been resurrected yet. So that is their proof for not believing in Qiyamah, in the resurrection, and so on. So the Qur'an will always bring the contentions of the kuffar to the forefront. And obviously, as a methodology, we should understand the contentions of the kuffar even today. We can't fight kuffar if we don't know it. So that's why we have to understand what they say. And we have to assume that we are always going to be fighting with them. Allah responds, قُلِ اللَّهُ يُحْيِيكُمْ ثُمَّ يُمِيتُكُمْ ثُمَّ يَجْمَعُكُمْ إِلَىٰ يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ لَا رَيْبَ فِيهِ وَلَكِنَّ أَكْثَرَ النَّاسِ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ Very simple kind of answer. Say, O Muhammad Allah, He is going to revive them and He is going to revive you, He is going to then kill you. And then he's going to gather you. Okay. So life and death is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then gathering, resurrecting, bringing people together on the same platform is also Allah's role. That's his job and he will do it uh, for the day of judgment. Towards the day of judgment, on the day of judgment, in which there is no doubt. So here the, the issue is one of understanding the day of judgment, Qiyamah, a day when people will be standing from the word Qiyam and people will be gathered on one platform standing together. And that is now the idea here is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does things in this world based on the rules of time and space. He won't override that. And there's a time when Allah will resurrect, but you don't control that time, Allah does. Okay. And you don't know the unseen, 
Allah knows the unseen. So you can't bring that evidence into this world because it's a different plane. It's a different zone of existence. So your existence on the Day of Judgment is totally different and a very different point of reference from your existence here. This existence is very limited and you can only do a few things based on the restrictions of time and space. But Allah will then recreate everybody on a day when things will happen enormously, in very different dimensions. So the Day of Judgment has its own rules and regulations, and this world has its rules and regulations. So there is no doubt in that, that there is a Day of Judgment. But the truth is, most people don't know. So this is now instruction for those who want to preach and those who want to reform, that most people won't. They won't believe you, number one, if they're kuffar, and they won't reform if they are not kuffar. That's just the way human beings are. So this is what we call a taqwini issue, it's part of the cosmos, it's part of Allah's divine plan. He can guide them if he wants to, but they won't believe and they won't reform. So you have to take this approach of reformation and conversion with a grain of salt. You can't fall over backwards if people don't believe and people don't acquiesce. So this part is for most probably, first of all, the Sahaba, obviously the Prophet them first, the Sahaba, and then those who follow them. That in terms of you uh, converting people, that's not in your hands. Most people, had Allah willed, he would have guided all of you. But he doesn't. So what's the instruction here for those who want to do good and those who want to reform the ummah? With a grain of salt. Take it easy. You can't bend over backwards. That's for the Nabi. Nabi will be emotionally involved and he can do that and he does. But for others, they must follow the role model of the Prophet and not assume that they can. It's not within their ability to do that. Neither to convert nor to reform. On the other side, the point for those who are atheists or atheistic, with atheistic tendencies and those who deny the Day of Judgment is that they'll find out when they die what will happen to them. So it's a question of wait and see. But still, most people will not know. They simply will not know and they will not understand what it is Allah is saying. Even though you may give some logical proofs and other you know, kind of supporting evidence to this aqidah, uh, it's not within you. There are so many signs in the cosmos that if scientists actually looked at any one of them, they would reach God instantaneously. But despite knowing what they know, they don't. So what does that mean? The Hidai is not there, basically. Right? There's no way on Earth or outside of Earth that you can be a scientist, an explorer, or a, 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 you know, a physicist, an astronomer, 
and not conclude that Allah does exist. It's not possible. But yet, we have so many scientists who are atheists, and so on. So because that is not the way. Uh, hidayah doesn't work that way. So you can give everybody all the signs, all the proofs, all the Quran and Hadith, but they will not believe because the tawfiq is not there. So that tawfiq, you don't control. Allah controls that. So you have to get over it if you're going to do this kind of work. Oh, everything, as I said, with a grain of salt and slowly, 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 and so on. So you have to make sure you're all stable. Then you don't give up and you don't fall short of your commitment to Allah. Because invariably, unfortunately, what happens with most reformers is that they give up. And then they fall through the cracks. And then they lose their Islam, they lose their tawfiq. It happens in this day and age. It happens all the time. So you have to be on your feet must be on the ground, not in the heavens when you're doing this kind of work. So yeah. So one is evidence, supporting evidence, proofs, ayat for the atheists and the non believers and those who deny qiyamah and resurrection. We should engage with that as much as possible, as long as we don't go overboard in believing that we have to convince them. Hmm? You can do that as much as possible with your skill set and expertise, but you won't convert them. Because they will only believe when they want to believe. And when someone wants to believe, there's no stopping that person to believe. وَلِلَّهِ مُلْكُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ and to Allah alone belongs the kingdom, the sovereignty of the heavens and the earth. So there is a kingship there. There's an authority there. There's a dominion there. Yeah. So the heavens and the earth, they're not random. And they're not created in vain. There's a system there. There's a network there. There are angels there. And there are beings there who administer Allah's command, and it is all done because Allah is the sovereign. They must see Allah as uh, a being who is sovereign, Malik al Mulk, uh, and not see Him as someone who does things haphazardly uh, without any will and without any intention. One of Allah's names is Al Murid, the one who wills. Uh, he does things, uh, he creates with his will. So that will um, is supremely regulated and he does things with purpose and he doesn't do things haphazardly and randomly. So when you have a whole kingdom, then how do you maintain that kingdom? You can't maintain that kingdom haphazardly without rules and regulations and laws and everything, governance, and all of that, just as any king on the world, if he didn't have things in place, infrastructure, he would not be able to rule. So now here, the, the, the words used to help the Bedouin Arab understand the sovereignty, the glory, and the majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is kingship and kingdom. So now he sees Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there. He has an arsh. He has a throne. Now, who has thrones? Kings. 
Malikul Mulk. So this, this is to allow that Bedouin mind and the ordinary Muslim to understand that this is majestic. It's not something that's simple and something that you can just blow away by one broom and say Allah exists and that's it. It's more than Allah exists. How does Allah govern? How does Allah create? How does Allah now act? And how does he will? What does he will? So he has supreme, absolute dominion and absolute power. And more than that, absolute prerogative. Absolute. So this is not, you, you must look into the words. Sit down and think about it. What was Allah saying here? Why is he saying he has an arsh? He has a tremendous arsh. And where is it? It's beyond the seven heavens, it's beyond the kursi, and beyond the seat of governance and orders and so on. Then what are all the angels doing there? There's huge, huge, massive angels that are there. What do they do? And how does control how does Allah control all of them? And what kind of orders does He give them? So now for the casual reader of the Quran, when they read this ayah, to Allah alone belongs the dominion, the kingdom of the heavens and the earth. Okay, just move on. But that's not what the Quran is for. You have to sit down and think and ponder yourself. Imagine this glory and this majesty and this regality that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Then be in awe of his kingdom and his majesty. So the idea is to worship him more by pondering over these ayat, subhanAllah. This who he is, he's so supreme, so superb, so I have to worship him more, I have to love him more, and so on. That's the intent here of the revelation, that you draw closer to Allah by thinking what he's saying, or what was he saying here. But you can't do that if you just, just pass over and say, okay, I know this. <laughs> then you know Diddley Scott, basically. So the heavens and the earth, both. So you have then understand the heavens, what are the heavens, then you just, Study all the ayat that speaks about the heavens, and you study the ayat that speaks about the earth, and the glory of the earth, and the majesty of the earth, and the kingdom of the earth, and how the earth will be converted on the day of judgment to another plane, another dimension, and all of this good stuff. So you have to bring all of these ayat together so you understand this ayat, which is an exercise of knowledge and understanding, which allows you to worship Allah better. So your knowledge allows you to worship Allah much better. You can't worship Allah with ignorance. So the person who worships Allah with ignorance is just going through the motions. And someone who worships Allah with basira, with ilm and ma'rifah, uh, he's on a much higher level than those who worship Allah without knowledge. And then on the day of when, when the sa'a, when the hour stands, a sa'a means the hour, taqum, when it stands, that it will be now standing upright, which is where you get the word Qiyamah from. On that day, all of those who are now uh, advocates of falsehood, Muqtilun, they will be in a state of loss. So in this world, they may succeed with their ideologies and philosophies and theories, and if it's based on kufr and rejection, denial of Allah's laws, then on that day, they will fail and they will fail miserably. So now for Muslims who see 
the glory of Western ideology and philosophy, uh, they must look forward to this day when they will become null and void, so that at least you have this uh, appeasement from Allah, that not all is in vain. That that's the time you look forward to meeting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a state of iman and so on. So those who now disguise the truth, camouflage the truth with falsehood, and they promote this falsehood and they advocate and they destroy others in the name of advocating that truth, then they will lose. They will be in a state of total absolute failure. So this is for the Prophet for the Sahaba and for us Muslims to appreciate and maybe even realize that moment when this happens. So you, you don't lose hope, number one, and you don't become so pessimistic that you give up. Uh, nothing's working. The Ummah is doomed, which it probably is, but you can't say that. Huh? You can't think like that, otherwise you become fatalistic and you become inert and you don't do anything and you don't learn and you don't study and you don't do any salat, salam, zakat, hajj, you just give up. Okay. So this pessimism and this very defeatist attitude is overridden by these types of ayah where Allah says they will fail on the day of judgment. So what you have to establish is your judgment. They're going to fail. That's a given. But what about you? Are you going to fail on that day? Yeah. So for your judgment, you have to act on how Allah and the Rasul wants you to act. So there's now some of the underpinning insights into these types of ayat. That, that day will expose and reveal all realities. So the day of judgment, it will be a revelation. It's an exposure. And what will be exposed? Kufr, sin. Iman, good deeds, and Jannah will be exposed, Jannah will be exposed, it's, it's an exposure. Um, so it's a day of revelation, it reveals the truth. Yeah. So that's why the day of judgment is to be taken very seriously. That you don't want your sins and your mistakes and your ingratitude, etc., to be exposed on that day. So you have to make sure you're covered on that day, then you're not exposed. If you feel that you need to now destroy kufr in this world, we suggest you try destroying the kufr in you first. Charity starts at home. <coughs> yeah. If you don't have an agenda for you, then you can't have an agenda for other people. It doesn't work that way. Anyway, so that day will be so mighty so overwhelming that everybody will be in a state of at least chaos, confusion, and anxiety, and everything else that comes along. Apprehension is probably the, the good word, and awe and fear until the hisab is done, or you're already now given glad tidings to go into Jannah, inshallah. So, on this day, these things will happen. So, instead of denying that there is no day of judgment. You might want to listen to people uh, and those who speak about it and describe it. Okay. You can deny something that others cannot describe. But if somebody describes a phenomenon, that means they know about it. Either that or they made it up. And even if they made it up, it's so spectacular, 
imagery, right, and imagination, that nobody can conceive of this type of day and these events. How do you think about this? How do you imagine that this is going to happen? So it's beyond human imagination, beyond human perception, beyond human conception. So the Quran is now alluding to another form of argumentation, and that is that if you can describe a phenomenon, and you kind of witness that phenomenon, then nobody can deny your experience. Because that's not what you believe. Especially nowadays when everybody's about personal subjective experience and emotion, and there's no absolute truth. So how can you deny my experience? So the Quran is saying, we know what's going to happen, and we have given the prophets some insights and experience into what will happen. And they are describing what's going to happen in such detail, at the macro level and micro, such detail of Jannah and Jahannam is in the Quran, is in the Sunnah. It's mind-boggling. How do you describe something in such detail and then say it doesn't exist? So even if you say it's imaginary, it has to be a genius who's imagining this. So I need to understand and appreciate the imagination of a Nabi. So the imagination of that world, the world of the mithal and whatever, and the world of the, the grave and the world of the day of judgment and Jannah and Jahannam. And he said, uh, how did you come up with this? Right. <laughs> you, you are mesmerized by Disney for the imagination they create in their cartoons and in their movies. It is so imaginative and creative. I'm in front of the day of judgment. And tell you what. You understand what I'm saying? That so you go Google Gaga over novelists who write with creativity and imagination. In front of the Quran is nothing, doesn't exist. So if you're going to be in arts, obviously one branch of knowledge is arts, and everybody loves art. Never mind about that. Anyway, people love to see good art. Is it Da Vinci, Michelangelo, Van Gogh? And you go Google Gaga. Is this a stupid picture? Yeah. You've given it the worth that you give it. It's perceived value. But in really, I mean, you're drawing what, a vase or a kettle or some fruits on the table. And that's art. Then look at this art of the Quran. Look at the mind of a Nabi. See how creative, imaginative the mind of a Nabi is. That alone is a proof that he's far more intellectually superior than you ever will be, collectively. You can't think that way, that Allah has an arsh, you know, these magnanimous and, and mighty eight angels who carry Allah's arsh above the seven heavens and the distance between each heaven is 500 years of travel. Who thinks like that? No one. So if, you, if you're going to say that people have knowledge, that their knowledge comes with creativity, imagination, and everything else, then the, the, the imagination of a Nabi is far beyond words. You can't even put that experience into words. But the Nabi has the artistic, intellectual ability to actually put these concepts into words. That's the genius of a Nabi's kalam. So you have, obviously, the mojis of Allah's kalam which is beyond any challenge. And then you have the mojis of the Nabi's kalam, because what the Nabi does is that he, he, he brings all of these abstract 
creative, imaginative phenomenon into language that a simple Bedouin Arab can understand and relate to. That's the genius of a Nabi, and you can't do that. So then you have already proven that the Nabi is far more intellectual than you. That's another proof. So this is how we see the genius of the, the, the Prophet them, that he creates geniuses, right? Yeah, this one. So now you have some details about this day. So on that day, another description of what will happen on this day, that you will see every community, every people, every group will be on their knees. They'll be crawling, kneeling on their knees, and that they will be in total submission and humility. One is that you bend down in ruku uh, by choice, and the other is by design. You will not be able to make ruku because you will be on your knees. So you're kneeling, but uh, not out of choice, but is imposed on you. Every community, every nation will be in, in ranks. They will be in platoons and columns. They will be organized according to who they were in the world. So two groups, broad groups, the believers and the non-believers. Then amongst the non-believers, they will be in their platoons, and the believers will be in their platoons behind their imam, meaning behind their nabi, and so on. And then there will be subgroups, and so on. Um, right. mm. As the Quran speaks of Surah Taqweer, everybody will be sorted mm. in great organization. So you do not be haphazard. So when you're telling people that there will be a time when you will be organized, systematically arranged in platoons and columns, that shows order. Mm. Even that should give you insights into why this is true. Because who can think of this? No one can think of this. Mm. Not definitely Asimov. Huh? <laughs> right? You heard of Asimov? Maybe the older generation here, not the newer, newer generation. What do, they, what do they do? They play computers? I don't know what they do. But anyway, so the, the great thinkers of the world, huh? George Orwell and his predictions and all of these super imaginative, creative people in the world, if they got together one platform, they could not think of this. It is not possible. They won't be able to conceive it, nor perceive it, nor understand it. And that's why, out of pure arrogance, they deny it. Because it's too mind-boggling, and it is beyond their imagination to actually believe that somebody could imagine this. So the problem there is not one of denial. The problem there is one of arrogance and vanity. That's what happens when you read too much and you don't have a teacher that you read with. You don't develop the ability to concede your thoughts. So everybody will be on their knees. They'll be on their knees because they'll be in a state of humility, humbleness, servitude in front of Allah. And also out of embarrassment and shame, they'll be on their knees. Every ummah then will be called towards its record, towards its book, 
towards the documentation of its deeds. Now, everything we know now today is based on this kind of micro data. So every community will be there facing the micro data of their lives, of their actions, of their behavior, and so on nowadays. It's all on a chip. And so even now, the science will tell you and help you understand some of the events of the Day of Judgment and help you realize that nobody could have imagined this process 1400 years ago. Totally inconceivable that you say people will be arranged according to this and that and being platoons and columns and their, their, their book of deeds and their records will be there and the video will be played over their whole life. And that book will not leave anything. People will be just astonished and amazed and surprised and shocked that this book here doesn't spare anything, neither small nor big. Everything's in the book. It's recorded. It's documented. So now your witness will be you. You will be testifying either for you or against you and your limbs and organs and your own skin will be testifying for you against you. Now, who thinks of this 1400 years ago in the desert? Only a Nabi. It is superlative knowledge, which is beyond human perception. If only human beings appreciated knowledge and not speculation, they would believe, but they don't. Today, you'll be compensated, rewarded, or punished for whatever it is that you've done. And the witness will be your own book, your own record, your own file, your own microchip, basically. The explanation and further elaboration that this here is the book that speaks against you with the truth. It testifies against you. It speaks. The book will speak. And you know what you did, and but also it is now recorded, documented, and it will be there for your inspection and hopefully good fortune, inshallah. Indeed, we have now transcribed everything that you are, have done. We have registered, transcribed, recorded everything that is now in your life and everything that you've done that is of significance and consequence here, at least. Then what will happen? The basic general understanding of the proceeds and the processes of the Day of Judgment as for those who believe and they do good deeds, then their Lord will allow them to enter into his Rahmah. So Allah, who is the Lord of people, will allow these people to enter into his rahmah. There's an open success, open triumph. Very clear and evident triumph and success and glory to those people who believe and do good deeds. So the formula is there, it's very simple. But unfortunately, since we're confined in time and space and uh, we don't like waiting, human beings hate waiting. They don't like suspense in their lives. They like suspense in novels and movies, but in life they don't like suspense. Yeah, God forbid, yeah, your plane uh, is now cancelled. That's it. Qiyamah will come. Mm. 
pain is constant. You're delayed. So human beings don't like anything that's deferred or delayed. They want everything cash on the spot, on the moment. So Qiyami is about saying that you're going to have to wait for this. So gratification is usually instantaneous and immediate. Gratification and pleasure cannot be delayed and deferred. That's just against human psyche. It doesn't work that way. From the time you're a child until you die. You want things done now, not tomorrow. Then you say that's a procrastination and so on. So what will happen on the Day of Judgment first is that people will be kneeling and they'll be naked and they'll be made to wait for only Allah knows how long. They'll be in total suspense. They'll be so much in pain and agony out of the suspense that they will then, after a long wait, go and through the prophets tell Allah just start the proceedings. This suspense is more than killing us. But they'll be made to wait. So these are the, the marahil. The phases of the Day of Judgment, on the Day of Judgment, there are phases, one, two, three, four. There are steps, and there are stations, and there are security clearances on every step, and so on. So now, this is the second step, where you're going to be given your Book of Deeds, and you'll be made to read your Book of Deeds, and the Book of Deeds will be there in front of you. If you succeed, then, inshallah, you'll succeed all the way. As for those who disbelieve, is it not that my ayat, verses and signs were recited upon you? And then you became arrogant, foolish and arrogant and proud of yourselves, of your knowledge, of your intellect, your ideas, your theories, your philosophies. You disbelieve because of arrogance, which I just mentioned. You know, that you don't want to concede that no, somebody else knows more than you. That's unfortunately the human dilemma. And you definitely were criminals. You were a criminal group of people that your crime is disbelief. So here now, there's an ethical value to kufr. It's not just a what do you call it, a theological issue. It comes down to the level of the society. It's a societal crime to disbelieve in Allah. But that crime will be manifested on the Day of Judgment. So it is a crime. If you are guilty of a crime, you should be punished. That's justice. Right? So the crime now is extended to uh, much more than the legal crime or the illegal crime. Yeah, it's extended over time, and uh, the manifestation of these spiritual and uh, theological crimes are eternal and they're everlasting. So that's why you may not be punished here for these crimes, and you will be punished there. So that the punishment is also eternal and everlasting. You are mujrimun, you are criminals in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَإِذَا قِيلَ إِنَّ وَعَلَى اللَّهِ حَقٌ وَالسَّاعَةُ لَا رَيْبَ فِيهَا قُلْتُمْ مَا نَدْرِي مَا السَّاعَةُ إِنَّ ظُنُّ إِلَّا ظُنَّ وَمَا نَحْنُ بِمَسْتِقِنِينَ And what is now the plight or the state of mind of these people in the world that when it is said to them that indeed the promise of Allah is absolute and imminent and is the truth 
What do you say? And the, the day of judgment, the last hour, there is no doubt in it. Kultum, you say, we don't know of this final hour. We don't believe in it. There's no such thing as this fabricated, this imagination, and so on. Inna dhunna illa dhunnan. All we do is that we have an idea about it, and there's a theory about it, and there's speculation about it, but we definitely are not convinced that this is real. Yeah. So now they will hear, and they will not take heed to uh, what has happened to people before them, and what is the fate of people who disbelieve and deny. Now they may get away with it here, but they won't get away with it on the day of judgment. So the wa'ad Allah is haq. The promise of Allah is absolute. It is the truth. And human beings must behave accordingly. Yeah. So what will be revealed to them, it will become apparent to them. The evil and the evil effects of what they did will become apparent to them. It will be exposed. Mm. And then uh, whatever they would ridicule will then surround them in the form of punishment. It will surround them, engulf them, envelop them. So whatever their derision and their mockery and their other insinuations were, uh, they will become now uh, punished. They will be punished by these same words. These words will come back to haunt them, come back to punish them. So this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as I said, exposing realities on the day of judgment. It will become very clear and evident and exposed upon them. And it will be said to them on that day, that this is the day that we will forget you the way you forgot the meeting of this day here. You did not realize, appreciate, approve, prove, uh, what do you call it, appre uh, understand and believe in the meeting of this day. So today we're going to forget you also. And your refuge, place of refuge is the fire. And you'll have no helper for you today. So these are the proceedings of the day of judgment. It's a long day. It's the longest day for human existence. And that's why it's called Al-Yawmul Akhir, the last day, after which there will be no more days in, in the sense of time itself. So it's a long, long day. Some people say. 50,000 years only Allah knows, but it's going to be a long time. It will not be in an instant, except for those whom Allah has followed upon them, that he will not have their hisab and they'll just enter almost instantaneously. Anyway, so there's now descriptions of the Day of Judgment come from knowledge. They don't come from speculation. So these ayat are what we call qat'iyat. They are conclusive ayat, and we have to believe in all of them with the detail that they have within them. That is known as iman. And not only that, we have to then act accordingly so that we're not put into these brackets, columns, platoons, according to our deeds and sins, etc. So this is how the Quran is encouraging human beings in general, Muslims in particular, that they must now uh, prepare for this day and prepare for this meeting. Meeting this day here. So there's a meeting there. There's an interview. Right? 
and you'll be audited and you'll be questioned and you'll be interrogated, all of those. Yeah, so you have to make sure you prepare for that interview, for that meeting, and God forbid the interrogation also. One of the symptoms of perhaps underlying illnesses, diseases, is uh, because uh, you would take these signs and verses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as mockery and laughter and amusement. And you would mock them, you would be sarcastic about them, you would deny them, reject them, refute them. But out of pure arrogance, you would then tell people, that is, you can make fun of and dismiss people through humor, vain humor. Number one, number two, that the life of this world has now deceived you. The life of this world has deceived you into believing that this is the only life and this is the only time you can have fun and enjoy yourselves. So you'd rather enjoy yourselves now than later. As I said before, anyway, so mockery, uh, derision, uh, comes from hatred and arrogance and denial. But this, this delusion, obviously, is kind of self-imposed. So you see, unfortunately, the world is a mirage. When you get there, it doesn't exist. It's just a reflection of a very, very lesser form of existence, if that. So this day when existence is at its most uh, supreme form, you will not be allowed to exit from this fire and you will not be given any respite whatsoever. To Allah alone belongs the praise as he is the Lord of the heavens, the Lord of the earth and the Lord of the worlds, and so on. So now after mentioning that everybody will be damned and condemned in Jahannam, Allah says, Alhamdulillah. How do you figure? If you say everybody in Jannah, you can say Alhamdulillah, that makes sense. No? Is everybody going to hell? Alhamdulillah. Can you make sense of that? Yes, no? You have to ask the question, because this ayah is immediately following the condemnation, the damnation of everybody. So why is this ayah here, in this order? Why is it placed here? So Allah answers the question himself. Rabbi Samawat. He is the Lord of the heavens, where his kingdom is supreme. Rabbi al and he is the Lord of the earth, where his now order is executed. He's also Lord of the worlds. Wherever there is existence, any plane, any dimension, he is the Lord of that also. So he governs according to the alam, according to the world and the realm of existence. So on the day of judgment, he will rule with his sovereignty on the day of judgment according to the rules of the day of judgment. For that, Allah is praiseworthy because he doesn't change the rules of any plane, any realm. So there are rules of the heavens and there are rules of the earth and there are rules of all the worlds, including the Day of Judgment. And because he is consistent in all of those planes, he is praiseworthy.
the consistency. He makes the rules himself, and then he follows the rules himself. And like human beings, we don't follow rules that they make either. You all break rules. Right? You're playing basketball, and then you foul, you break the rules. And then you get a penalty, or you eject it, or whatever. You break the rules all the time. The rules are made to be broken. So Allah doesn't break any rules. Consistent. There's durability, there's power there, there's force, there's might there. But it's all regulated. So if you can regulate your sovereignty, your kingdom, and your absolute power and prerogative in such a way that it remains constant and consistent throughout, then only Allah can do that. Because human beings are uh, totally incapable of following their own rules, never mind Allah's rules. That's why you have this to Allah alone belongs the praise, all praises are due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then on top of that, him along belongs all the majesty and the glory of the heavens and the earth. He is the one who rules supreme. No one else can take away his authority, his prerogative. That's the way he is and that's the way you should worship him. So these ayat are designed to instill love and muhammah for Allah, for the worshipper, for the arif, for the salik, that Allah is this way, so I better get my own act together. So in the world of salat, if I follow the rules, I'll be there with Allah in my salat, etc., etc. Right. And he is the most supreme and he is the most wise. Allah, when he has might and power and supremacy, he also has the divine wisdom that accompanies his power and his might. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't do anything haphazardly. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't do anything callously. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't do anything without any system or order. Everything's in order from the word amr, which means order. Allah's Amr, uh, the order of the cosmos and the order of Sharia, uh, they are consistent and they vie with each other. So for the non-believer, he must appreciate the consistency in the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he has placed and he has organized. And then he must then marvel at the, the phenomenon, the reality that all of this is consistent. There's no inconsistency anywhere. If he says that if you do this here, this will happen here, he's consistent about it. He won't go against his word. Yeah. Unless it's out of his follow. And for that you have to be eligible for his follow. And that eligibility is based on your iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being Malik al Mulk, being the Lord and the sovereign of all the heavens and the earth. Anyway, this is the end of Surah Al Jathiyah, Surah in which everybody will be on their knees. So when you read these ayat and you take inspiration and the wisdom in these ayat, you'll make others on their knees. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq to follow the prescriptions uh, in this surah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to find the hikam in this surah and act upon them. Ameen ya rabbal alameen. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayyid khalqi Muhammadin wa alayhi wa sahabihi 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 wa sah